Good morning. Good morning. Realize some of you have really lost an hour of sleep, so I understand it may be a little harder to do. We are smack dab in the middle of a series on generous living, or living generously. And one of the things that we have been talking about is finances. Uh, we, we understand that our finances tell a story, that our finances continue to show us where, uh, where we trust God and the places where we don't trust God. And one of the things that we're really thankful for is the fact that this is a conversation that we get to have, not that we have to have. And so one of the things that we really want to do um, moving forward is, is and we just think about two things. Number one, we want you all to have opportunities to see what, what, what's happening financially within Renew because we believe that transparency is really important and we also believe that integrity is really important. So that's why this is going to be a normal rhythm of what happens within Renew in terms of sharing how we're doing. And so neither JR or I are financial experts. Um, some of you know that, some of you may not. Uh, we are blessed to have Sam Class uh, as the guy that looks over our finances, uh, who, who helps spearhead things, who helps get all the stuff that happens from the moment you put something in that box or you give online. Um, this guy is the one that's able to, to, to help get everything, all our bills paid and all of that stuff. If that didn't happen, we probably wouldn't be in this building, and you'd all be meeting in house churches every single week. So we're really thankful for Sam. And um, yeah, so we wanted to begin uh, today just with asking Sam some questions about what's going on with our finances, and he was willing enough to share. So, Sam, um, does Renew run a surplus or a deficit? Yeah, so uh, last year we, we actually did run a deficit um, of about $7,000, but the year prior in 2012, um, we had a surplus of about $6,000. So the two together still ended up being, you know, about a, close to about $1,000 uh, deficit for, if you combine the two years. Uh, but that's okay. I mean, we are not a for-profit business. Um, I do run one of those, so I understand what that's like, but this is not a for-profit business. Um, and that's okay sometimes. And uh, we are still financially healthy, and we'll talk about that a little bit too. Um, and I think it's going to continue that way. But, uh, you know, because of the generosity of everybody that's sitting in this room and others, um, we can say that that's all right uh, with that. So, Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of new faces that have joined Renew in the last uh, year or so. And one of the common questions that we have is, uh, how do I give? So, Sam, how do we give? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, there's really three ways you can give um, here at the gatherings. You know, there's two boxes up here on the front uh, communion table. You can always give, whether it be cash or check or whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, online giving, it's really easy. You can go to Renew's website, go to the Donate Now at the bottom. Um, you can set up a reoccurring donation. Um, you can do a one-time. Uh, you can use your checking account, your credit card, whatever you prefer. And then you can always mail a check to Renew's P.O. Box uh, if that's easier as well, too. So there's really three ways you can give. Um, any of them work for us, uh, obviously, so we just, we just really appreciate you giving. So. Yeah. One of the things that's really neat is, for those of you that, that are hearing some of these things for the first time, Renew has, we have both local and global partners. And so, Sam, um, who do we bless with the money that, that comes in? 
Yeah, so this was something that, you know, even when I took over just a, uh, a little less than a year ago, um, I wasn't even really sure who, who we gave to. <laughs> and I, I kind of got an education, which I really enjoyed. But uh, so we, we really have, uh, you know, our, our local partnership is, is, is Manel Main Street. I think you all know that. Um, we do give a percentage uh, of our unrestricted ties every quarter to MANA. So we give 2% of our unrestricted ties to MANA every quarter. We also give to Ecclesia Network 2% of our ties every quarter as well, too. Our global partnerships include um, Daughters of Cambodia, which we give monthly to. Uh, we also give to Pastor Brito uh, monthly as well. And we give to um, Rio and uh, Renata Sabarini as well monthly. So those are kind of our partnerships. The Boys and Girls Club indirectly is a local partner, obviously, because we, uh, we use the facilities, we pay to use the facilities and to rent the storage space that we have. Um, and obviously, we, we give indirectly in the sense that uh, we've done projects here. Um, so that's not necessarily shown in giving in, the, in that sense, but it is something that we give back to the Boys and Girls Club uh, as a local partner that way as well. So. Um, so this is probably the question you've all been waiting for. I wish we could have a drum roll. Um, but what does our budget look like? Uh, yeah, it's a great question, right? Uh, budgets, it's like such a dirty word sometimes, you know. People are like, oh, yeah, budget, you know. But a budget is really there for, to help guide us into making responsible decisions. And, and we do have a budget. And I don't know if we can show that slide that we have here, but I kind of just made it very simple for everybody to kind of see because we want to be transparent. I hope, sorry, it's a little small. I hope you can read it. Um, it's on purpose. <laughs> yeah, we did that on purpose. It's an accounting thing. To see. <laughs> but uh, anyway, what you see here is actually our 2013 actual spending. So this is, you can see this right here. So uh, what we call it, we still call it revenue, but really that's giving. Um, and then our 2014 budget, which, so you know, uh, Scott Kriegel, who is the accountant that works with uh, uh, Renew, and myself, uh, met with the pastors, came up with a budget, and it was approved by the elders. So this isn't something that we just come up with, um, you know, just kind of out of nowhere. Uh, and, and so I'm not going to go through every line there, and I'd love to answer questions for anybody after or at a later point, but... What you see is that, yeah, you can kind of see there, if you look at total revenue versus total expense in 2013, there's where you get the $6,000 um, as far as a, uh, a deficit, deficit there. You can see even in 2014, we, we budget that we will maybe run a deficit, but we also realize we, we are very conservative when it comes to uh, re, uh, tithing and also when it comes to expenses, we err on the side of more. And so... In this way, you're going to see this and you say, well, that's a little frustrating. Why is that? Why are we going to run an, another deficit this way? Um, I, I honestly truly believe we won't. Um, I just think that we're being on the conservative side. So uh, that's, that's, the, that's the budget. I mean, it very, I mean, I cleaned it up. If you would have seen Scott's, it's a lot more messy than this but, uh, and harder to understand. Um, so, you know, you can see our global and local partnerships under blessings. That's what I mentioned earlier. Um, we actually didn't budget for Advent Conspiracy because we don't even really know what that may look like. You can see it was really low this year, but that was because it was a little bit different what we did. 
from years past. So if we were to look at 2012, that number was higher in the $8,000 range. It was 11 last year just because it was totally different how we did things this year for Advent. Um, and then you can just kind of run down the other ministry expenses, our operations, you know, the things that we need to be able to do, the things that we do here, whether it's in this building or just in general. Uh, they're, all, they're all captured there. It doesn't look like a lot, but obviously it equates to a good amount. So that's the budget. Um, you know, we, we, we try to stick to it. You know, it's not going to limit us in doing things that we need to do, but it's there to help guide us and make responsible decisions. All right. I think actually we may have some readers uh, this morning. If you are going to read the scripture, yes, Jenna, and I thought there was one other person as well. Ence, okay. We'll have you start off by reading, and then we'll jump into the, the message. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on. I'm reading from 1 Timothy chapter 6, um, 17 through 19, from the New Living Translation. Tell those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which will soon be gone. But their trust should be in the living God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give generously to those in need always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of real life. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Well, welcome. Good morning. Uh, My name is Dwayne. Can everyone over here see me okay, or do I need to kind of move more into the center? Actually, it looks like I can see people pretty well. That's good. Well, as you know, we are uh, in the middle of a series called Living Generously, um, and so we're talking about finances, um, a very practical element um, of our lives, something we deal with every day, um, which is kind of exciting because it's very practical. Our faith can become practical um, during this conversation. Um, I thought I would start off with a story. It's a, it's a family favorite. Um, of Grandma Vicki Sprock, Angie's grandma. Um, she's no longer with us, but she, is, uh, she was a fiery redhead, um, uh, full of life, uh, quick wit, uh, fun person, quick smile. And uh, she was full of quips and one-liners and, and whatnot. Um, anyway, so the story takes place. Um, Angie and I have been dating. Uh, Angie's my wife now. Um, Angie and I have been dating for a couple of months, and so she invited me to come home. Uh, to visit her parents in Hayes, Kansas. So it's going to be the big first time meeting the family thing. And um, it was a great time. We had a great time together. 
And uh, we found ourselves, when this story took place, um, around uh, the, the Christmas tree, in the living room, the fire was going, we were unwrapping gifts. And uh, Grandma had given everyone a card, and so we were, all the grandkids, we were opening the card, and inside was, was two whole dollars. And we were like, oh, Grandma, thanks. And in her grandma, grandmotherly way, she said, I only wish I could give you more. And Angie's brother said, so do we, Grandma, so do we. <laughs> so keeping up with the family tradition, um, I gave everyone two pennies coming in here uh, this morning. And um, they are, we're going to use them in, in a couple different ways. Obviously the story of the, the widow and the two mites, um, two copper coins, but First of all, I thought we'd use it as kind of an um, object lesson, I guess, as it were. Um, if you look at your pennies, and you can pull them out, um, take a look at them. Uh, as I was preparing uh, for this lesson uh, over the last couple of weeks, I was asking people, if you were to give a talk on generosity or on money, what is it you would talk about? Um, you know, I asked things like, what is generosity? Or um, why do we give, I guess? So I thought I would just actually open it up here. We're kind of in a different setting today, more maybe family style, looking at each other around the table, as it were. Um, what is generosity? Or maybe a better question, why, why do we give? Why do you give? So we feel passionate about it? You want to support something? Okay, great. To meet a need? Absolutely. Absolutely. When the bills come in? Mm-hmm. I got many different answers um, as I was asking people uh, about that. And the one answer that I really appreciated was, was from Ange, actually. Um, and she was saying generosity, the reason we give, or, or generosity is basically looking back on how God has provided for us. And it's also looking forward in faith that he will provide for us in the future. So when we give, it's kind of a, a backward focus and also a forward focus. Saying, thank you, God, for all your many rich blessings. And also looking forward to say, God, we trust that you will continue to provide for us in the future. And it's in that, in that juxtaposition that we, we generously give. If you look at your coin, there's an image on the front of that coin. Who, whose image is that on the penny? Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. And um, so who, who is Abraham Lincoln? President, uh, very, you know, notable president, arguably maybe the best president of the United States, um, you know, in our entire history. And um, to me, I think Abraham Lincoln represents the past for our, our group of people, for our nation, and how God was faithful to us in a very, very challenging time. Um, you know, we hear stories coming out of the Ukraine right now about major conflict happening there. Our country was kind of in a similar situation at that time, and anything could have happened. We could have been divided, um, broken apart, but God was faithful to us in the past, in that season, and Abraham Lincoln kind of represents that. Um, so the next time you see a coin, you can remember that God was faithful to us as a people. And then there's also some words across the top. What, is, what, do, what do the words say? In God we trust. So it's a forward-looking thing. It's saying, we trust you for the future. Um, so, keeping that in mind, we should give out of a, a, a backward-looking view and a forward-looking view. God being faithful in the past and God being faithful to provide in the future as well.
But we also gave you these coins um, to be mindful of the widow. And there's kind of a lot of stuff going on in that passage. You know, you have people giving um, lavishly, wealthy people dumping in loads of money. And then this woman coming up, and she puts in just two pennies. It says actually even less than a penny. Um, Barely anything. And as I was thinking about that, um, I think what really just jumped off the the page for me were, were two words, or three words, excuse me. Put in everything. Put in everything. She put in everything, all she had to live on. And the phrase, put in everything, reminded me a lot of our conversation a couple of weeks ago where we talked about giving God everything and not holding back the 5%. Um, Or the question was raised, what is your 5%? That 5% that maybe you want to hold to yourself and not give over to God. I think as human beings, especially as Americans, putting in everything uh, could very well be a lifelong challenge for us. Um, The interesting thing about this passage, and we're going to focus primarily on finances, but I don't think it's completely about finances. I think putting in everything is about everything, our entire lives, not just our money. But certainly we're going to be talking about our money. Um, Last time, last gathering, there's a group of us here that were kind of talking after um, the service. And um, Nate Clemmer was sharing about how, you know, in our culture, we can tend to extend ourselves in our spending. Um, maybe we extend ourselves in, um, in taking risk in business, or maybe we buy a house that's a little beyond what we think we should, or we're stretching ourselves to do that. Uh, maybe we splurge on vacations, or our wardrobe, or eating out, or any number of things. We tend to spend beyond maybe what we should at times. But when it comes to giving, we tend to, not across the board, but I think sometimes we tend to have the mentality of a check the box or what, what's kind of like the minimum that I have to give or what's the standard that needs to be applied. Have we ever thought about taking big risks with our giving? Have you ever thought about that? About taking a big risk with giving, extending yourself in giving uh, there's a passage in Corinthians. We won't actually turn to it now. You can read it later. Um, it's in 2 Corinthians 8, actually 8 and 9. But Paul's talking, he's writing to the church in Corinth, and he's giving them an example of the Macedonians, the Macedonian Christians. And they were poverty-stricken people, didn't have much money, they were suffering greatly. And when Paul came, they were so excited about the work that he was doing that they gave, and it says he gave even beyond their ability to give, even beyond what they were capable of giving. They gave. And um, Paul says that they were so overjoyed to do this, so overjoyed to be part of, of the mission that they gave, and they pleaded with him to take it. And in this, Paul called this the grace of giving. The grace of giving. So... We're going to try to unpack that a little bit, put some practical handles handles on that, not be so theoretical. Um, But how do we actually excel in the grace of giving? And this is where we'll kind of move into uh, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Um, And it starts off by by saying basically um, some things that we're not supposed to do. So it says, don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope in wealth. Um, Deuteronomy 18 or Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18 says this, 
You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives the, the ability to produce wealth. God gives us the ability to produce wealth. That's interesting. Even Jesus, a few verses before um, the story of the widow, said, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They are full of hypocrisy, greed, and arrogance, and they will be punished most severely. The reason we're not supposed to hold on to our wealth is because it, it can't save us. We can't take it with us. It won't really ultimately help us. Uh, there's a story of John Wesley, and he was um, at a wealthy plantation owner's uh, estate. And the wealthy owner took him through his estate. They traveled by horseback. And they spent the entire day traveling and didn't even cover the, the entire course of his estate. And that night at a lavish dinner, uh, the landowner said, Well, Mr. Wesley, what do you think? And John said, Sir... I think you're going to have a very hard time giving this all up. This week at work, um, I helped a gentleman. He's nearly 70 now, and he's dying of cancer. Um, I helped him clean out the last of his storage units and send it to his place in Florida. Uh, he had been a big collector of fine art, antiques, all kinds of valuable things. And this was the last little 8x10 storage unit that he had left to clean out. And at the end of it, I said, Steve, I said, you know, how does it make you feel to kind of finally clean this all out? I mean, he had, he had like papers from college in there. It was like the last few little things that <laughs> he was still holding on to. And he's not a believer. And he said, you know what? He said, I'm finally learning to let go of my possessions. He said, you know what? You can't take them with you. And he's, he's on to something. I'll leave you with a quote on this last thought here. Randy Alcorn, in his book, The Treasure Principle, said it this way. But when Jesus warns us to store up treasures on earth, it's not... A, what, excuse me, let me start over there. <clears throat> but when Jesus warns us not to store up treasure, treasures on earth, it's not just because wealth might be lost. It's because wealth will always be lost. Either it will leave us while we live, or we leave it when we die. No exceptions. So, if we're not supposed to put our hope in wealth, what are we to put our hope in? And the passage jumps right on. Put your hope in God, it says. Put your hope in God. Um, I don't know if you're morning people or not. I, I actually enjoy, like, mostly enjoy the beginning of a day. And I love, um, so I own a small store here in, in Lansdale. I love the early morning process of vacuuming and washing down the counters and wiping off the, the windows and kind of getting ready for the day. And I'm reminded that there are people throughout the entire world doing the same thing in little shops and restaurants, and they're readying for the day, for the work ahead. And in me, there's always this mix of emotions. There's this excitement, this um, opportunity that maybe today will be a great day. Maybe we'll get a big job. Maybe something exciting will happen. And then that is mixed with an amalgamation of, of fear and trepidation as well. What if something horrible happens? What if we're sued today? What if 
We have a $38 day. That happened once. We had a $38 day. (laughs) Can't have too many of those and keep going. (laughs) But I'm learning, and it's totally still a learning process for me. I'm, I'm in the process of saying, when I'm at that place, God, thank you for how you've blessed us in the past. You've blessed us in the past, and we thank you for that. And we trust you, and we praise you, and we believe that you will bless us again in the future. And so... God, today I put my hope in you. I put my trust in you to be my provider, to be our provider and sustainer. I think one way we can put our hope in God is by enjoying him. The verse actually goes on right to that. Enjoy all the good things that he has given, the rich blessings he has laid out to us. So let's enjoy the gifts from God. In James, it says, all good things come from the Father of heavenly lights. Every single good thing in your life came from God, came down from God. C.S. Lewis says it pretty succinctly. All enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. All enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. A man enjoys his his girlfriend or wife, and he praises her, and he compliments her. Just look at the poets and the musicians. You know, maybe uh, you're an Eagles fan, and uh, that could be a bit rocky, I guess. But um, there was the snowball, and you said, like, wow, did you see McCoy? He got over 200 yards that game. That was awesome. You praise the team. Um, Angie and I... Uh, when we were dating, we went to visit a former professor of hers and her husband. And the one night, we had just such a blast. They were a retired couple, and they had uh, some of their friends, so another retired couple. And we were on this pontoon boat going down the Sudbury River in Connecticut. And um, these two couples, they were just so full of life. It, it was refreshing. Um, everything was just amazing. They were gushing over everything. You know, the egrets, like, taking flight and the setting sun and um, the cheese and the deviled eggs were the best they'd ever had in their whole life. (laughs) When we enjoy something, praise just bubbles out. Jonathan Edwards says, God is glorified not only by his glory being seen, but by being rejoiced in. When those that see it delight in it, God is more glorified than if we only see it. So as a foundation of putting our hope in God, then it moves on to the action. And this is where he says, be rich in good deeds, be generous and willing to share. I think it's so interesting that before he goes into the generosity and sharing, he talks about being rich in good deeds, being... um, Pouring out good things and, and good things on people. Um, actually, God set an example for, the, for us in this, in how we should go about sharing and being generous. John 3.16, the most, probably the most well-known scripture passage in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. And just the basic part of that is what? God so loved that he gave. God so loved that he gave. And this is an example for us. We should, out of love... Give. This should be what motivates us. So I wonder what your attitude is towards giving. Do we give because we're maybe passionate about it? Do we give because we feel a sense of, of duty, maybe? Or even, you know, guilt or shame? Or is it love? 
Is it love that bubbles up inside us and just compels us to give? Uh, Howard Dayton, in his book, Your Money Counts, um, acknowledges that for a long time he wasn't able to give out of love. It was more of um, uh, paying a bill, I guess, is how he kind of referred to it as. Yeah, we give, you know, write the check, send it. Um, but it wasn't out of love bu- bubbling up from inside of him. And he said the thing that changed his mind when how he viewed it was he started thinking of every gift given, being given directly to Jesus himself. When he was given to, giving to the church, when he was giving to an individual, wherever he was giving, he thought of it as being a gift given, giving, given to Jesus himself. I don't know if that will help you or not. Certainly there's a lot of biblical um, example of that. But maybe that will help if, if uh, you struggle to give out of love. So, what are some of our some practical handles on on how we should give? Um, let's make it like really concrete. Um, in the books I've, I've, I was reading in, pre- in preparation for this, and probably I don't know, maybe five or six different books, it seemed like every single one was saying a tithe is a great starting place. Now, in the Old Testament, the tithe was established as something that they were required to do um, to give ten percent of their income to the Lord. In fact, in uh, in Malachi, I believe, and we won't turn to that now. Um, God talks about them not giving all of their tithe and how they were robbing from God. They were actually stealing from God because they didn't give their tithes. Now, in the New, in the new Covenant, in the New Testament, it doesn't necessarily say that we're to, to get, we're to continue with giving a tithe. But, in fact, it actually seems that they gave much beyond that. If you read, you know, the Acts and so forth, um, and even the passage in uh, Corinthians that we talked about earlier, they gave well beyond their tithe. But it seems that a tithe is maybe a good starting place. Um, a good place to say, yeah, we're going to commit to giving to our local church, and we're going to give 10% consistently um, because we believe in it. We believe in what God's doing in the church, and we want to pour out blessing um, that God has so lavishly blessed us with. Uh, Randy Alcorn is a writer and a pastor, and he says he recommends this to all of his um, constituents, and um, he says sometimes he gets a little pushback. You know, they say, well, we don't really... We don't have the resources to tithe. You know, we, we can't afford to tithe. And he says that he always asks them, if next year your income was reduced by 10%, he said, would you die? And inevitably, someone will say, well, no, we, we wouldn't actually die if it was reduced by 10% next year. And he always uh, responds, and he said, well, then you can afford to give. Um, you just choose not to. And... Uh, I think that's telling. It's kind of sharp, maybe. <laughs> um, but I think there's truth to that um, on how we, we view our giving and what we think is something we're capable of. Um, another example, uh, one that I, or like a practical handle, one that I, I found actually intriguing was to set a financial finish line. I don't know if I'd ever thought about that, but I think... In the, in the United States especially, we just kind of continue to accumulate and accumulate. Um, and we don't think about getting to a place where we say, you know what? Um, this is all we ever need. This is our finish line. And after that, we'll give everything away. 100% will just go to, to God and the work of his kingdom. Um, you know, for, maybe for those of us that are just starting out, that seems like almost laughable. <laughs> but at the same time, I think there's some... Um, 
validity in that thought, and I think it's worth the time and effort to at least think about it, what your financial finish line might be. So the last part of the Timothy passage talks about um, us storing up for ourselves treasures in, in heaven and then taking hold of life that is truly life. And um, what we're going to do in a, in a minute, we're going to try something. Hopefully this isn't too intimidating. Um, but we're going to break up into some smaller groups and we're going to discuss giving. Um, I think it's interesting that us as, as a church, in general, I'm not just talking about Renew, but I, I don't think we probably do a great job of talking about giving. Um, you know, in church circles, you may have um, accountability groups, maybe a, a men's group, and, and they'll say, like, so how are you doing? Like, are you guarding your eyes? Are you struggling online? You know, there's those types of questions. Or maybe you get the questions of, like, are you in the Word daily? You know, are you um, reading your devotions every day? But I've personally never been asked, how's, how's your giving? Are you excelling in giving? Um, are you being generous? Um, are you giving to the work of the Lord? I don't know if I've ever been asked that. And so I think we're going to get together in smaller groups, not really ask that question, but share with each other um, the moments and the spaces and the times where we gave, maybe we, where we received, um, and encouraging, encourage each other with those types of stories. Um, the Bible talks a lot about that, about um, spurring each other on um, to good works, good deeds. And so we're going to, uh, to practice that. Um, but before we do, I thought I would just share a story um, that, that Angie and I uh, experienced. This was shortly after we got married. Actually, we were still on our honeymoon. Um, and we, were, we, we honeymooned in the Poconos, and so we were actually driving. I think we were going to do a, a hike or something like that. And we were driving along, and we were just talking about life. And uh, there was a family that we love very dearly. Um, and they're just normal people. I mean, it's a dad and a mom. And kids, and they live in a neighborhood. Um, in renewed jargon, you know, they were a dad and a mom and kids, cleverly disguised as missionaries in a neighborhood. And they were, and we recognized that. And he was going for a seminary degree. We felt it was going to help him um, continue in the work that, you know, that they, that they were doing, the life they were living. Um, but they were just starting out, and they didn't have a lot of extra resources. And um, they were thinking maybe he was going to have to take a break from his studies um, or maybe give it up or whatever, but, um, you know, money was a little tight. And Angie and I were talking about that, and um, we felt at that, that moment that God was really prompting us to give to them. Um, we, we didn't really have that much money, honestly, but we just had our wedding, so we had a few wedding gifts, and we thought we could give out of that. And so on the, on the drive up, we called them up, and we told them, you know, that we were going to give this gift when we got back and so forth. And we hung up the phone, and Angie and I looked at each other, you know, with tears in our eyes, and we were like, this is awesome. <laughs> um, we're part of something awesome here, um, and we need to be doing this throughout our whole lives. And to me, it felt like, at that moment, we were truly living. We were, we were taking hold of that life that was truly life. And I can't say that we've done this, like, countless times since. I wish we had. We still need to grow in this area. Um... But in that moment, like, I realized that God was honored in that. And we were part of something much greater than ourselves and much greater um, than just our stories. So, 
I know last time Doug talked about the $10. He was telling everyone to put $10 in their pocket and when they saw a need to give. And I don't know, some of us, I mean, honestly, I, I forgot to do that. I, I think Ange did, so I'm proud of her. Um, <laughs> but some of us here, I'm sure, did. And so, you know, maybe that you can share that story in your group. Um, or maybe there's a story from the past um, that you can share to encourage each other, um, to help us see what it looks like to give, to be generous. Um, and maybe it's not just money. Maybe it's um, a time where you gave of yourself. You know, maybe you served. Um, that's fine, too. But particularly the stories of giving money. I think it, it would be important for us to share about that. So we're going to gather together in smaller groups. And then afterwards, we're going to have communion in those smaller groups. So we're doing things a little bit different this, uh, this week. But what I'm going to ask you to do is just kind of like turn maybe like five or six people. Um, and we'll just take a couple of minutes and uh, share our giving stories. Share what God did. Oh, and one thing, be particularly, the, the, it's a, excuse me, particularly important, I think, to not forget how God led you to it. So make sure you include the God part. Not just that we gave, but how did God lead us to do this and what was the outcome? Because that's what we want to focus on. All right. Break. Break.